Welcome to the AI Asia Pacific Institute podcast. The rise of AI presents important legal and ethical challenges for society. In this podcast, we invite leaders from different industries and creators of new AI to debate the big questions. This is the AI Asia Pacific Institute podcast. This episode is brought to you by Audible. Audible has the largest selection of audiobooks on the planet. You can listen when you are taking walks. You can listen while you are cooking. Whenever you can. The best thing, Audible is offering AI Asia Pacific listeners two free audiobooks with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to the link shared in the podcast description and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Then, download your free title and start listening. It's that easy. Looking for book recommendations? We highly recommend AI Superpowers, China, Silicon Valley, and the New World Order. Is a 2018 nonfiction book by Kay Fu Lee. Mona Zoet, founder and CEO of RegPack Revolution, has over 18 years of experience in the financial services industry, within the legal, risk, and compliance areas previously specializing in AML and KYC within some of the world's biggest banks. During her time in the banking industry, she became acutely aware of the regulatory, operational, and risk management pain points faced by banks and other financial institutions alike. She is an executive board member, Southeast Asia lead, and Singapore chapter president of the International RegTech Association, which exists to ease and accelerate the evolution of the RegTech industry by facilitating integration, collaboration, and innovation of all stakeholders within the financial services sector. Mona recently contributed to The Legal Aspects of Blockchain, a book published by the UNOPS, focusing on the legal implications that blockchain has, not only in humanitarian and development work, but also on existing regulatory frameworks data and identity. Mona also shares co-authorship for the book Hashtag RegTech Black Book, which highlights all the latest developments of RegTech, FinTech, and WealthTech from different angles. To end, Mona has also been mentioned as one of the RegTech Top 100 Influencers, a report created by Analytica One. With you now, our host for this podcast, Kelly Forbes. Hello, Mona. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you uh, for having me, Kelly. Excellent. So I think... Um, a good introduction is to um, by inviting you to share with us a little bit about your work on the intersection of technology and ethics. Um, you know, what are the main challenges that you're seeing in the industry? Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, what we do is uh, regulatory technology and we actually are building a platform, uh, everything regulatory technology. Um, we started to build an ecosystem around it like three years ago. Uh, with Rec Revolution. And um, we started also to advocate about um, how tech really could uh, be used 
to improve the regulatory um, areas. And then I'm not only talking about the financial services industry, which we know is heavily regulated and really needs a transformation into digital, uh, but also other industries like healthcare, uh, insurance industry, uh, food safety, you name it, every other industry that is heavily regulated as well. Um, so yeah, to build up the ecosystem, we, um, we of course first needed to create awareness so uh, we did quite a few workshops, thought leadership kind of workshops, where we really uh, discussed the industry problems that were out there nine of the 10 times with, um, with partners, whether it were large incumbents or consultants or even legal teams. Uh, and then on the other hand, uh, you know, marry, try to marry in them up with the startup scene where we already had um, uh, use cases uh, where we had um, companies that actually had technology solutions that could be used uh, by the large incumbents uh, within their risk management compliance departments um, so, so that they knew what was out there so that they would get the right exposure. Um, so that, that, that's the way we started the platform. Um, of course, a lot of knowledge sharing was back then also uh, really necessary. Uh, we started to also work with um, government bodies because uh, in the regulatory space, that is, of course, very necessary to really have that uh, combination of public and private. So back in those days, um, of course, um, the MAS, the Monetary Authority of Singapore, started with the, the, the annual FinTech Festival. So we were heavily involved in that to, uh, to work together with them to advocate about regulatory technology and how you, eh, technology could be used. And with technology, I mean the emerging market technology, like AI, like blockchain, uh, internet of things, cloud computing, et cetera. Um, and then uh, we also started to set up a training program where we really uh, wanted to focus on risk management compliance professionals in the first place working in the financial services industry, but also beyond to really look into, you know, um, what is your day-to-day -day business and what can technology these days do for you and what, what kind of products are already out there that could help you to stay relevant in the ever-changing world and in the more data-driven world instead of um, before more people-driven world. So, um, so that's the training program where we set up in the first place. Uh, we did that in-house. So we, we, have, we, we try to train the compliance departments or the, or the risk management departments, but we also translate it into an online version so that um, you know, we could disseminate it in a way worldwide uh, where, where whoever wanted to know more about regulatory technology. Uh, and then uh, quite recently, almost uh, two years ago, we started with an acceleration program, especially because we saw that um, more on the other side of the world, more in, um, uh, Europe and also the US products became much more uh, uh, matured. So uh, then we talk about startups that became scale-ups uh, that wanted to expand into uh, other, um, yeah, other areas of the world. And of course, everybody also was looking into Asia and then of course Singapore because Singapore became a little bit of the fintech hub um, also because of the fintech festival. So, um, so we started to help companies in the first place at Hockley, like, you know, to, uh, to help them with the go-to-market strategy, to help them with the marketing, but also to help them to actually uh, get knowledge into this market and try to sell their products here. 
Um, and, and then we said, okay, wait a minute, this is uh, not really helping if we do it at Hockley because then they only come here for like a few days. Of course, B2B, you cannot really sell your products B2B just in a few days. So we, uh, we created a robust kind of um, uh, program wherein they, it was a combination of uh, coming to Singapore and Southeast Asia uh, physically. Uh, and then we would, um, you know, uh, do launch events where we, again, uh, try physically to... Before <laughs> Sorry? Physically before COVID. Physically before COVID. Yeah, yeah, of course. This was, yeah, this was two years ago. So definitely physically before COVID, uh, where we really try to, you know, um, address their, um, the problem statements that the industry here has. And then, of course, the solutions that they could um, deliver, as well as one-on-one meetings to, to get them some kind of lead generation. And at the end, of course, sell their products as well. Um, so that worked very well, like you're saying, until COVID. Um, so then we needed to translate it totally into digital. Uh, I guess that was uh, two-folded. In one way, it was really good because um, because of COVID, there was much more push for uh, to digitalize. Of course, on the other hand, um, you lose a little bit of the the face-to-face -face kind of uh, yeah deal making, um, which of course after all those months, we know that it, it's not going to back into the old normal, but it will become a new normal. However, um, uh, yeah, the, the business model had to change a little bit there as well, of course. So yeah, that was in a nutshell how we tried to build up the, the RecTech ecosystem here in Singapore, as well as connecting the dots regionally and globally. And then on top of that, and that is now a little bit accelerated um, with, with COVID as well, is we really tried to build a digital uh, advisory platform where we say, okay, you don't actually have to be physically somewhere to get um, the best solution for your problem statements. We really would like to build this marketplace where we can advise um, digitally what, what you need when you have certain problem statements that you want to solve, right? And that again can be from a skills perspective, not only be the financial services industry, but beyond the financial services industry. Right. So let's take a step back. Um, and for people that are not very familiar with this space, um, maybe you can give us a little bit of an explanation as to why, why compliance and regulatory issues are important, why they should be thinking about this. Sure. Yeah, so I think, uh, and I definitely agree, um, compliance and probably risk management and re regulatory challenges are not um, very sexy. Yeah? I mean, people see it as some kind of a uh, necessary evil nine of the 10 times, especially front offices of large incumbents. Uh, but I think everybody, you know, in a way, um, being compliant uh, is of course uh, the, the necessary thing to do and probably nine of the 10 times the right thing to do as well. But on the other hand, um, since the financial crisis, I mean, the regulatory environment has uh, evolved so much in the sense of more regulation, more complex regulation, um, and also the change of regulation in the sense of, I mean, uh, there are reports, I think Thomson Reuters uh, wrote that, that uh, every seven minutes in the world, uh, regulation changes. And then of course you need to adhere to that which is almost impossible to do so anymore. 
Um, and and uh, but on the other hand, you need to comply, right? Otherwise, you get a fine. Uh, otherwise, um, from a risk management perspective, um, you have too many risks, and uh, that can uh, that can of course relate to fi big fines, uh, and that can of course tarnish your reputation. And at the end of the day, if your reputation is gone, whether you're now a large uh, uh, bank or whether you're a small company, then of course the client satisfactory will, will be also gone. People will go somewhere else and then you don't have a business anymore. So that is definitely super important. The only thing is, um, yeah, the world has uh, changed quite a bit in those, uh, now let's say almost 15 years time. So, um, so yeah, you need to evolve. Uh, and then the question is a little bit, how can you do that? Now, one, one way, I guess, compliance function with this whole uh, data-driven environment, uh, should the skill set should be changed quite a bit as well. But of course, um, we all know that uh, risk management and compliance and regulatory is always a little bit behind the innovation. So, um, so the skill set to, to get the right people to actually really, uh, you know, um, try to mitigate those risks or circumvent the risks or even prevent the risk from happening uh, is, is a dif difficult task. It's a really challenging because the education is, 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 is not there yet. Um, and that is the same, I guess, with the emerging market technology. I mean, in the one hand, uh, we have a lot of data, like I already said, but on the other hand, um, the skills that you now need to have in, in, in the more traditional businesses, uh, yeah, uh, it is very difficult to, to get them immediately, right? I mean, universities need to change, new programs need to be implemented. Um, so a lot of it is, is much more an, an, a society change that needs to happen. And in a way, it also needs to happen in a mindset, in a behavioral kind of uh, environment. So it's not only the skill set from a university perspective, but also um, when, you're, when you're in a traditional business, uh, senior management uh, all the way down should really think about their own risks and how they have changed over all those years instead of, you know, statically try to um, do whatever they already did before. So I guess those are a couple of those changes um, in the risk and compliance areas that we also try to address and that we also try to work together with, uh, with uh, governments and regulators to, to make sure that, that they understand it. And then, of course, when you understand it, you also try to you know, do something about it. Yeah, and so uh, your work, um, as I understand, is looking at um, all different kinds of emerging technologies. Now, when we think about AI, the AI industry in specific, how would you say that compares to other industries? And what are the main challenges that you're seeing there? Yeah, so um, I think AI is, of course, uh, uh, I, I know everybody knows that a big buzzword, right? I mean... Everybody talks about it these days uh, in, in, in their own opinions. Um, it's nothing new. It already exists uh, relatively long. I mean, people try to um, get machines doing the work already for many, many years. Um, I think only the involvement is now much quicker than it used to be. Um, having said that, of course, um, we are also relatively focused on... Uh, products and services that actually are AI driven, especially because AI 
when I look at AI and then differentiate it between um, uh, national language processing, uh, machine learning, and deep learning, uh, those are the areas in which, uh, especially software solutions within the risk management compliance areas are very interesting evolving. Uh, there are already quite a few use cases that are being used um, um, that have solutions, you know, that, that would be very interesting for um, the financial services industry and beyond as well. Uh, because it is pretty much, um, yeah, the machine reads a lot of data and it, uh, it uh, absorbs big data, which human beings almost cannot do anymore uh, or is very difficult for them to do and without making a lot of mistakes. And, um, and that is exactly what, what those kind of technologies are doing. So if I would say, yeah, we look at different kinds of technologies, but the majority of the technologies that are already successful is really national language processing, uh, machine learning and deep learning, at least in the risk management compliance space. Right, and how, how do you work towards sort of filtering these organizations that you're collaborating with? What are the key ingredients that the you know, AI companies, if we're talking about AI in specific here, need to have demonstrate in terms of compliance? Yeah, so, um, so I guess we, we have a risk assessment process. I mean, that's also a little bit the platform that we're trying to build. Um, so we have, um, we have a process in which we uh, look at the companies, we assess uh, what they have accomplished up until now uh, based upon a an, an, uh, risk assessment methodology for, um, for enterprise risk management. Uh, of course, we look also into um, how they, um, you know, evolve the technology and whether the technology is uh, tweakable so that it also can be rolled out here in this region. Um, also how many clients they already have, what their backup is, what the governance structure is. So in a nutshell, pretty much uh, how successful they are and we can get a score for that so that we can also, um, because of those use cases can compare uh, what is necessary here in this market in Singapore as well in, in Southeast Asian markets so that we can help them to actually, you know, uh, to actually expand. Um, so it is, an, it is a case by case uh, method that we still um, uh, do because, um, like I said, it is still a very relatively uh, infantry kind of um, uh, platform and, and, and industry. I mean, yeah, RegTech is also a buzzword, but the use cases are, are, are uh, growing exponentially. But on the other hand, uh, it is still relatively small. I mean, if I compare it with the few years ago, yes, there are many more use cases than uh, three years ago, but it is still, if you compare it with traditional business, still relatively small. So um, that's why we take it uh, case by case, so that we really, because it is also B2B, and the sales cycles are relatively long. Um, you also need to do quite a lot of education if you really want to get the right uh, exposure. So um, from that perspective, it doesn't make sense to have like 20 cohorts or whatever, what some other acceleration programs have. have. Uh, for us, it is really at this point in time, relatively niche. And uh, we really try to match make uh, you could say almost uh, that we are a broker for, okay, 
what problem is here and how can we try to solve it from the other side and how can they come together? So, and that in itself is already in the whole process. Yeah, and so um, for leaders of organizations that are thinking about AI, the, what are the main pitfalls of this technology and when it comes to the deployment? Yeah, so I think, um, to be fair, like I said, AI is really broad and, it, it, and, and I think a lot of people are still afraid for because it is so new and it is so broad. Um, I don't think that a lot of people understand what it already can do and or till what extent uh, it can really help them. So a lot of it is still in an educational phase. And to be fair, I think also that a lot of educational institutions uh, have not been able to really pinpoint um, to different forms of AI, like, okay, this, this, this is important for your department, this is important for you, and etc. It's still uh, quite siloed in a certain way, right? On the other hand, I also think um, if you talk about AI, you talk about AI as if it's uh, get, it going to take over the world, right? Um, Armageddon kind of situations, machines take over the world. Oh, I don't have a job anymore. Uh, so I'm, I'm not going to, you know, tr uh, let it in because you never know and all that kind of stuff. And uh, what if the machine takes my job? Well, I think, again, um, misunderstanding because I think at the moment, um, the whole, whole industries are still in the more narrow AI phase. What I mean with that is pretty much like, you know, it is an, a machine that can do uh, a certain uh, uh, activity very well, much better than a human being, but it doesn't mean that he's already can do everything like a an, uh, an broader AI, right? So, because then you should think about all the ethical issues that come along with it in the sense of, will it fall in the wrong hands? Uh, it, it becomes much smarter than the, the human, so it can outsmart the human, all that, but we are not there yet. And it will take quite a long time before we get there yet. Doesn't mean that we, from the other side, from the regulatory side and from the legislation side, should already think about that kind of stuff. Because at the end of the day, if you want to keep relevant there as well, we have what 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 are the ethical issues around if the machine already can do that kind of stuff, right? So, and and how can we try to make sure that whenever that possibility is there that we are actually from the regulatory side also and the legislation side also um, next to it instead of behind. So definitely that we need to try to get that together. But again, I, I guess that is all around education. And I think um, if you look at businesses these days, they like to talk a lot. It is all about talking, talking, but really, you know, knowing what you're talking about. Yeah, that, that is still... Uh, it's an infantry as well. So I, I, I would say um, Singapore government is doing a very good job to, um, to, to actually educate, uh, try to you know, get, get the skill set right as well. Um, so from a governance and a government uh, perspective, I think they are doing a very good job and they have also a very good infrastructure because it is a small country. Uh, it has all the infrastructure it needs. It has all the legal and regulatory securities it needs. So that's very easy to digitalize 
um, and to re really lead the way. But if you look further than Singapore, for instance, in Asia or even Europe and the US, there, co there are so many other complications that come along that it is much more difficult to, in one go, transform everything into, you know, uh, responsible uh, thinking and responsible AI and then, of course, also the ethical AI. So I think we're still quite far away from that. But that doesn't mean that you one way or another need to create this exposure also in those departments that are really risk averse. That's one of the reasons why we try to, you know, promote uh, uh, the emerging market technologies, what it really can do for your businesses, and also AI as in, as in broader words, in, but then more in, you know, machine learning and deep learning, because that is really an area that is developing quite fast and interesting for those departments. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you in regards to Singapore. I think it's really being a model around the APEC region specifically in terms of um, they investing a lot in innovation, yeah. but at the same time, they have been very carefully thinking about how to upscale people, how to yeah. um, give opportunities and how to deal with these implications as well. So I think they, you know, most countries could be looking up to them to what they're doing there. No, no, I agree. And, uh, I think that's also the, the, the way Singapore would like to lead, right? I mean, they are pretty much like we are the Asian hub in a certain way. Um, and it, of course, it is a little, it's a little city state. So it's a gateway to Southeast Asia as well. So that is, yeah, that is the bigger market. Um, and they work together. And I think that that is one of the strengths of Singapore. They work together with, um, and uh, in the Western countries uh, and the Western regions, as well as also the, the Eastern ones. So they are really, in a, in a way, an, in the middle, um, which also makes it easier for them to uh, relate to both sides. And I think that's, um, that's the strength at the moment for Singapore to really, you know, be in the forefront from innovation. Also with um, not only AI, but also with blockchain and technology, by the way, with open banking, uh, and they tested it for quite a few years uh, uh, here in Singapore um, and they updated it every year in the FinTech Festival. But they have now really a few lines with Canada and Bank of uh, uh, um, the UK. So I think, you know, um, it's getting there. It's getting more and more uh, um, and, and collaboration uh, between continents instead of just silo uh, inventions and that's what we need to have in this environment right that i mean you need to work together to certain uh, standards um, that is for everybody um, doable but also that of course meets the obligations that you need to have from an ethical perspective as well to make sure that that you actually can collaborate on a global front and that's where we need to go in a utopia so Yes, absolutely. So when it comes to these implications, you're probably in a good place to, um, you know, point to some existing cases or things that you have seen or are seeing when things do go wrong, uh, just to give, you know, companies and people in general a perspective what, what we mean about these implications. It's just like you're saying, we're not just talking about AI taking over the world, but what does it actually mean? when a company deploys AI and something does go wrong. Yeah, well, and of course that can be a huge implication in the sense of 
well, uh, you know, in one of real damage. I mean, it can just really damage your business, of course. But um, besides that, I, it can be also really an implication for humanity, right? I mean, at the end of the day, if uh, a machine would become much more uh, intelligent than, than the human being, and like I said, it comes in wrong hands. I mean, humans are humans. Uh, you have good ones and bad ones. Uh, and of course, uh, unfortunately, we, we, we don't have only good ones, right? So, of course, the, the terrorists, let's put it that way, they... Um, they would always look for new technology as well. And they are also looking for machines and, and computers and et cetera. So definitely um, if, that's, if, if they would uh, establish or get the hands of very intelligent machines, then of course, uh, yeah, like uh, Elon Musk always says, uh, the, the humanity will be uh, crunched. Of course, it is a statement of him. But yeah, that, that, that can be a concern for the, for the distance future, I would say. Um, and on the other hand, um, smaller issues like within companies can already happen if, you know, if you instead of, let's, let's put it this way, if, if, you, if your algorithm is not um, perfect or for 90% perfect, of course, it can also have a lot of implications in the sense of that, you know, the instead of that you think that it's, as a machine that you think it's a dog, it can be a cat, right? I mean, it, I mean that kind of things can happen. And, um, and then, like I said, I don't think that we are already there that we can really say um, the ge general AI is already so sophisticated that we can use it that way. But on the other hand, I think um, what is important to, to see is that um, um, from an... I guess from a repetitive or from a manual process or from a, a security uh, perspective, um, the, yeah, the use of machine learning or deep learning or national language processing is much more secure and much more accurate than uh, the humans uh, you know, who would do that work as well. And to be fair, from a cost perspective, if you can implement those uh, uh, yeah, uh, process as well um, and automate it, then um, 80 or 70%, which are manual and repetitive processes, um, are gone. And you can actually, uh, you know, spend much more time on the more complex cases that you actually find interesting in any case. So it doesn't really mean that you should be afraid for using the technology. It is more that, yeah, it needs you need to understand what you're doing. I guess that is the biggest thing. Yeah, so essentially there is a very direct link between thinking about these implications, mitigating them, and, and the financial rewards that come with it. Yeah, yeah, true, true. So, uh, yeah, and I, and, and I think... Um, um, I think people forget it sometimes. Um, they just only go to the... Had the, the Armageddon kind of situation uh, instead of thinking about the the smaller quick wins you can have with automation or digitalization um, because it sounds of course much nicer or you see it in the movie uh, how a computer can take over or a machine can take over but of course that still is very far of reality right and uh, I think people tend to forget that people just don't see it in their day-to-day -day business and that's why they don't 
relate to that. They relate to the, the, the far away picture in a certain way. Yeah. When it comes to these regulatory developments that are changing every day, like you were saying before, do you see these, um, how do you see these developments coming together? And do you think that, you know, we might be going towards some type of regulation with AI? Oh, yeah, I definitely think that um, the way technology is developing at the moment we definitely, like I already said before as well, we really need legislators really need to sit together to come up with those uh, standard operating procedures and of course certain requirements in standard operation uh, legislation, right? Because um, otherwise, it, that's with every, I guess, with every technology or business, once it becomes more mainstream, uh, and more people, you know, are going to have to adhere to it, then of course you need to regulate it in a certain way to also make it trustworthy, uh, not only from a business perspective, but also from an investment perspective and, and, and um, also from an, uh, I guess, a safety perspective. So definitely we need to look into, and I, I know that it's already being done, but looking into those areas where there is, those are not regulated yet. Um, and I'm, I'm not talking about the financial services industry, but, but a lot of other areas are still, or new products are still not regulated, right? So, um, and FinTech products, for instance, um, they, well, once they are really scaled up and once they have a certain amount of employees and certain amount of clients and cer certain amount of investments, they're getting all of a sudden quite big. And then, then the regulator looks into it and thinks, hey, maybe we should, we should, they need to have a license as well or regulate it. So in a way, automatically it will happen. But I think especially from an invention perspective and especially in the AI uh, world, we should, we should be more upfront with legislation and regulation to make sure that, um, like I said, that we are not staying behind when innovation already is a few step, steps ahead. So yeah, um, and I know that's already happening, although of course there will be different levels of, like Singapore is quite far in quite a few areas, again, uh, for um, licensing and regulation and standard operating pro procedures. Um, but yeah, again, to streamline it worldwide or to streamline it with different continents, that will take, of course, a little bit more time. Yeah, and when it comes to, you know, what the future holds in respect of AI, you know, you've obviously been doing this work for a few years now, so you've seen the industry changing. How do you, what are, you, what are your thoughts on, you know, what's the future between, you know, human machine developing? Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, the, the most positive way I, I think about it, and, and I think that should you know, that should be the future, let's put it that way, is um, that, that actually machines work with humans, right? I mean, not, not, not the, the, the negative um, ideas about uh, the situations where uh, machines take over uh, humanity, but more that, um, that we will work together. I mean, uh, I think humans will always be necessary. Uh, they will be in certain, um, I guess, um, functions definitely necessary i mean like i said even the best uh, probably computer or machine cannot really take over every 
feeling that a human being has. It is very difficult to simulate that. So um, from that perspective, I really think um, uh, it will be in collaboration. Uh, but I think a lot of education and uh, collaboration is necessary to, to make humans comfortable with the fact that the machine will stand next to them and will work together instead of, you know, uh, harming the humanity. Yeah, so, and if we go back to our conversation just now, a lot of our work has been around educating leaders of organizations about how to deploy technology in general and make choices, right? Mm -hmm. um, so taking, you know, a specific step towards, um, you know, what, what, how should they, how do, should they make this start if they not, if they don't, don't know where to start? Yeah. So I think, um, first of all, there are quite a few courses already about technology, different technologies or, or fintech or deep tech, etc. So I, I definitely think that um, business leaders and, and, and uh, uh, yeah, every business really should look out for what is out there um, around them uh, these days online, of course. Um, and I think, um, Governments have uh, have to play their roles there as well. I mean, uh, at the end of the day, it is the ecosystem that needs to collaborate. So, um, so it will be governments, it will be the businesses, it will be uh, regulators, um, and it will be, of course, um, uh, consultants and etc. As well, to really make sure that everybody comes more or less on the same page. And um, first of all, yeah, that will be education. Uh, whether it's departmental or whether it's more as, as, as leaders. Um, and, but secondly, I also uh, think that, you know, um, you need to uh, think about change as well. I mean, the world is changing very fast. So um, you as a company or as a business owner or as a department um, should not be afraid to change and to evolve, I guess. If that mindset, I mean, and that is really behavioral. And of course, we talk a lot about these days, design thinking and, you know, looking at where the problems are, what the root causes are, and then, you know, how can we solve those kind of problems and root causes? I think that that is one way of really thoroughly thinking about how can you, uh, you know, uh, how can you push change? Uh, but it needs to really go from top to bottom. So it needs to be in collaboration with governments and with businesses. It needs to be in collaboration with different departments um, and not silos. It needs to be in collaboration with different continents as well. So I think uh, as long as everybody is open to that kind of collaboration, um, it, it, will, it will go much smoother and in a better way and a positive feeling way than if, uh, yeah, if, if that doesn't happen. Yeah. Well, Mona, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us today. Yeah, thank you for having uh, me. Where is, the best where is the best place for people to find you? Uh, well, we are based in Singapore, um, uh, uh, but you know, we, you can always um, give me a call or uh, send me an email. Uh, we are, we, of course, a Rackback website, um, and uh, we are on Instagram, we're on Facebook. So I think um, there are many, many ways to, to reach out to us. 
Um, and I think, you know, at the end of the day, uh, if you want to know anything about regulatory technology or how you need to expand your best business into Singapore or Southeast Asia, then of course, uh, we're happy to help. Excellent. Okay, thank you. Okay, thank you.